first Noel the angel did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so
sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let
Well, I hope that music has been a blessing to you. Would you pray with me as we get into our talk this morning about the real meaning of the Christmas season? Heavenly Father, thanks for giving us this opportunity through these digital means for us to uh, share this moment with family, with loved ones, with each other. We pray that you would just move in our hearts and help us to understand something deeper, something fuller about Christmas, something that would inspire us to be people more like you with our lives. We pray that you would help us to follow you more closely. We pray that you would help us to love you more deeply. We pray that you would help us to become more like Jesus as a result of this morning. Thanks for giving us this time. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. And guard the words that I speak and the thoughts in our hearts and shape everything to bring you honor and glory. We love you. We give you ourselves. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, the Christmas season is filled with a whole bunch of stories, and I know you know most of them. I know you know a lot of them, and in, in fact, I'm certain that you already know the story we're going to talk about today. It's the story of the angels and the shepherds and all of that. It's one of the most famous stories associated with Christmas, and it's the one that Linus quotes in the Charlie Brown Christmas. And so I know you're familiar with it. It's the story where it tells us that there are these shepherds, and they're living in the fields out nearby Bethlehem. It's nighttime. They're watching over their flocks and suddenly an angel appears and they all get freaked out and the angel says, don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. The angel says, the good news that I bring to you is going to be good news for all people, for all time. And it's about a savior. It's about the king. It's about the promised one from God that has just been born in that city over there, Bethlehem. But then the angel tells these shepherds that they are invited to go see this new baby, that they're invited to go and experience that for themselves. In fact, the angel gives them not really good directions, but you know, enough directions that they can figure it out. The angel says, you'll find the baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, like a whole crowd of angels show up, a whole choir, and they sing this song, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those on whom God's favor rests. It's this amazing moment. The angels then disappear, and the shepherds look at each other, and they say, we should go see what this thing is. We should go find this thing out, see it for ourselves. And so they go. They go to Bethlehem. They meet Mary and Joseph and the baby, and And then they leave and they tell everybody that they can find about this thing that has happened to them. It's an amazing story. And I know you're familiar with it, but there are a couple details that I just wanted to talk about a little bit today. And so, kids, if you're watching this, uh, I told your parents a couple days ago a little bit about that whole manger situation. But I thought maybe I would start by explaining a little bit of it to all of you, too, you know, if you didn't hear me the other day. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole details of, you know, where Mary and Joseph were and the difference between a guest room and an inn and all that kind of stuff. But what I want to do is I just want to let you know about the manger situation. You see, what's interesting about the manger is that it was actually kind of a normal thing for people back then. We think about the manger and, you know, we sing the song, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. And we're like, every baby should have a crib and Jesus is lying in a manger. Well, the truth of the matter is, back in those days, cribs were rare. As a matter of fact, only rich people would have a specialized small bed just for their baby. 
You, you had to be really rich in order to have a specialized bed for a baby. And most of the kids and families back then, they might sleep all in one gigantic bed altogether. But because Mary had just given birth and because the text tells us there was no guest room for them, they were in the big area. They were in the public area where the animals were. And so there's Mary, there's Joseph, they deliver, there's in, they're in the animal area, there's no like special bed for their family. And so what Mary does is she finds the best possible bed for Jesus, which is a manger. And you've seen the pictures. Mangers are these little, you know, kind of boxes of hay that are up off the ground. And that way, by putting Jesus in the manger, he'd be off the ground, safe up there on a soft bed of hay. The text also tells us that Mary wrapped him in strips of cloth. And back then, you wouldn't have had a lot of specialized baby clothes, especially not for poor people. And so it was normal for someone to wrap their baby in strips of cloth like that. So Jesus' birth, even though there's a lot of it that was really kind of weird, that part of it, the whole manger part of it, is actually pretty normal. The fact that Mary would wrap Jesus in these strips and put him in a manger on a bed of hay, that makes perfect sense. That's what any loving mom would do for their child. It made perfect sense to her, except that it also was just normal. There was nothing special about that. I'm going to come back to the manger thing in just a little bit, though, because there was something special about it, but I have to tell you something else first before we get there. You need to know a little bit about the shepherds. These shepherds, we're told, they lived in the fields nearby Bethlehem, and that means most likely they were the temple shepherds. That means they were, they were the shepherds who were in charge of the temple flocks. Now, you know the ancient temple built by Solomon. That had been torn down, and then the people rebuilt the temple, and then that one was torn down. And so then King Herod had built a new temple, and it was, it was glorious. It was covered in gold. It looked beautiful. But one of the things about the temple is that it needed a lot, and I mean a lot, of animals. God's law had said that you needed to sacrifice uh, some sacrifices in the morning, some sacrifices in the evening, some sacrifices at the beginning of the month, some sacrifices at the end of every week, some sacrifices at every festival or party. God had tons of sacrifices listed in his commands for the people to do at the temple. It was part of what made the temple the temple. It was constantly having these religious ceremonies that involved sacrifice. Now, how many animals do you think they would have needed? If the most popular sacrifice was a little lamb, how many little lambs do you think they would need? I mean, just think about it. How many cows do you think McDonald's goes through in a year? Or, or how many chickens does Chick-fil-A go through in a year? If you think about Chick-fil-A, everything they serve has chicken in it, which means they must be going through just millions of chickens every year. Someone's got to raise those chickens, right? Well, when it comes to the ancient temple, someone had to raise all those lambs. And so what they did is the, the temple owned a bunch of flocks or the temple would purchase lambs from shepherds. And the best place for those shepherds would be close to Jerusalem so that they could get their lambs to the temple quickly and easily. But here's another thing. The shepherds were literal outcasts back then. They were literal outsiders. I mean, they, they lived outside. That's, that's where they lived. They were outsiders. But other than that, they were actually outsiders because no one liked them. 
Shepherds were smelly. Shepherds were gross. Shepherds lived outside, and so they were always extra dirty. They spent all their time with these animals. In fact, shepherds were so hated among the ancient people that sometimes they would use the word shepherd as the word for thief. If you had stuff in your house and you were afraid it was going to get stolen, you might say, hey, I'm really worried about the shepherds. Or if you had something that did get stolen, you might blame the shepherds. And you're just like, I I hate those shepherds. They're always taking stuff. Now, we don't know if shepherds actually were thieves. It's just that's the way people thought of them. They called them names. They kicked them out, kept them outside. And so even though the shepherds provided the animals for the sacrifice, At the temple, no one liked them. And so they were literal outsiders. They lived outside. That's the second thing you need to know, the shepherds. But there's a third thing you need to know, too. And that's something about the manger. See, one of the fascinating things about the ancient world is that if you had an animal it was very likely that your animal was going to get sick and die or break a leg and need to be put away or something along those lines because they didn't have advanced medical technologies. They didn't have antibiotics. They didn't have uh, the ability to to do surgery, any of those sorts of things. And so if you were a shepherd and your sheep had just given birth to a baby lamb and you noticed that baby lamb was perfect, I mean, it had no spots on it whatsoever. If you noticed that lamb was perfect, then you would realize early on how precious of a thing that was. That was worth far more money when you sold it to the temple than any of your other lambs. And you would want to protect that as much as possible. And so what these ancient shepherds would do, this is the story I've heard. I I think it's true. You can double check me. Uh, If it's wrong, let me know. But I've heard it a number of times. It's What they would do is they would take this little lamb, this perfect little lamb that had been born, and they would want to protect it. And so they would tuck all its little legs and arms, I call them arms even though they're front legs, legs and arms together, and and they would wrap the little lamb in strips of cloth so that it couldn't run around and get hurt. And they would take this wrapped up little lamb, and frequently they would put it in a manger on a bed of hay so that that lamb would be elevated from the rest of the animals and wouldn't get as many diseases, wouldn't have a chance to get hurt or any of those things. And it was the practice of ancient shepherds to protect the precious little lambs they had this way because those were the lambs that were destined for sacrifice and you needed to keep them as perfect as possible. And you know what that says to me? That says to me something really, really weird. Jesus is born, right? He's, he's lying in a manger, right? Mary and Joseph are there. Jesus is the king who's just been born. He's the, the most important human being ever to be on this planet, and he's currently in a manger. And God decides he's going to send angels to announce this birth. And you would think that the announcement would go over the airwaves to get everybody. These days, if you were going to make an announcement like that, you would go onto one of the major news television stations. You'd be on NBC or ABC, and you'd let everybody know this amazing thing that had happened. 
But what God does is he sent those angels to talk to those dirty, smelly, nasty shepherds who were literal outsiders living outside. And then the end of the story, we're told that the shepherds go and they spread the word to all these other people. But who's going to pay attention to a bunch of smelly shepherds? If God wanted the message to go far, wide, and fast, he should have given the message to rich people. They were the ones who could get the message out far, wide, and fast. But instead, God chose to give this message to dirty, smelly shepherds that no one would ever believe when they told their story. And that's why the story that we have ends with the dirty, smelly shepherds telling everybody their story, but it doesn't tell us a whole bunch of other people also visited Jesus. It's just the shepherds. It kind of ended with them. But that tells me something about God. Because God reached out to the outsiders because he loved them. And he didn't just reach out to them with a message of the new king. He reached out to them with a message that literally only the shepherds would understand. You see, Mary and Joseph, they wrapped Jesus in strips of linen, laid him in a manger. Normal. That's normal for them. But the shepherds heard that from the angels. And they think, oh, that's just like what we do for a little lamb who's prepared for sacrifice. Little did anyone know at the time that Jesus was destined to be the sacrifice for all of our sins, that all of us could get forgiveness for our sins from Jesus's death and resurrection. The shepherds were the first ones to get that idea. They had a hint because God spoke their language directly to them. Now, I know you hear that story and you might wonder, well, what does this have to do with me? How does this relate to me and my life? And I want to let you know, there are two kinds of people in this world. There are insiders and there are outsiders. And it doesn't matter who you are, you have some group where you're an insider and some group where you're an outsider. When it comes to your family, you're an insider and other people are outsiders. When you go to school, I mean, they're, they're the popular kids and, and maybe you're an insider with the popular kids, maybe you're an outsider with the popular kids. When you go to work, for those of you who are adults working, maybe you're an insider with management or maybe you're an outsider with management. Every one of us has those things where we are insiders and outsiders. We have labels for ourselves where we're like, I'm this or I'm that, I feel like an insider. We can just call them all clubs or teams. Uh, You're on one team, you know you're an insider on that team, and other people are outsiders. And you need to know something. If you ever feel like an outsider, there is a God who looks at you and says, hold on a second. I know other people might treat you like an outsider, but I don't. I'm inviting you in because God sent angels to talk to the shepherd outsiders and he brought Jesus into this world and you know the story about Jesus now and that makes you an insider on the Jesus story. That makes you an insider on the Jesus team. You are an insider when it comes to God's chosen people, the people that he says peace on earth to all of those people. You're an insider. But if you ever feel like an outsider, you need to remember this. God looks at you. He says, I don't care if other people don't like you. I like you. I love you. God looks at you. He says, I don't care if you feel like you're an outsider. I'm inviting you in. God looks at you and he says, listen, it doesn't matter how far away you feel 
from what is right and good, you can always come to me. My arms are wide open. If you ever feel like an outsider, I want you to know that God is inviting you in. But there's another part of that story, a tiny little hint that doesn't even show up in the text. The shepherds go and visit Mary and Joseph, right? That means that Mary and Joseph had to let it happen. Uh, Joseph had to let the smelly, dirty shepherds get close to this new baby, get close to Jesus in the manger. These were out, literal outsiders, and Joseph and Mary had to let them in. And I want to let you know that God wants you to be that kind of person too. No matter what kind of inside group you have, there are going to be other people who are outsiders. And you're on team A and there are all those other people on team B or C or D and, and, and you don't like them. They're smelly. They, they live in places that you don't feel make sense to you and, and they believe things that you don't understand. They're the outsiders. And God would say, hey, listen, you're on the Jesus team now. And if you're on the Jesus team, your job is to invite the outsiders in. Your job is to let the outsiders in. Because when it comes to God, he's the God who invites outsiders in. And so for you, if today you feel like an outsider, I want you to know that God is inviting you in to be on team Jesus. But number two, I want you to be a person who lets other people feel invited in too. I want you to be a person who invites other people to come on the inside. I want you to be a person who treats everybody else like they're already on your team. God says, you're on my team. And then he asks us to treat other people like they're on our team too. Oh, listen, I know it's hard. I know it's hard when that other person is really an outcast. I know it's hard when that other person really has wounded you in some way. I know it's hard when that other person really has done something that you don't want to be near. But God sends angels to shepherds, and now he's sending us. We need to be the people who trust that God is telling us the truth, that when he says peace on earth to all of those on whom God's favor rests, we need to know it includes us, but we need to know it includes them too. So for you, remember you are never an outsider with God. And remember also to treat other people like insiders with you. God bless you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the story of Christmas and for the presence of Jesus in our lives. Even though he was born and died and rose again and went back to heaven and now we don't see him or touch him, we know the presence of Jesus is still with us. We know the spirit of Jesus is living in us and among us. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for being a God who has invited outsiders like us to be in. And we thank you for being a God who's challenging us to do the same for others. Help us to remember how much you love us and help us to show that love to others in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
Thanks so much for joining us. I hope today's little time here has blessed you. I hope that the music has been an encouragement to you. And I want to leave you with this final thought. Just remember that on Christmas Day, we remember that God is the one who reached out to the dirty, smelly shepherds. And God is the one who reached out to the the foreigner magi. And God is the one who sent angels to tell us this amazing good news that because Jesus has come, You and I are on God's team. And so receive that today. If you've never done it before, receive that gift. Just say, God, thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you for sending him to me. I want to be in with you on your team forever. But then let's be people who don't just love the Christmas day and the Christmas experience. Let's be people who live it. Let's be people who live it out in this world. We receive Jesus. Yes, but let's also be people who give Jesus as well. God bless you.